Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Chad Hawk with Matt Dowd, and we are Renegade Atlas, charting a new path for your life. Matt, today we're going to be addressing a very important topic and a difficult topic. We're going to be dealing with racism, oppression, and hurt and struggle, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it's come to the forefront again, you know, in the national news and in our lives. It's here in this city. It's it's everywhere. And yeah. so I think it would just be totally irresponsible not to at least make an attempt yeah. at addressing it and, uh, yeah, get some different perspective, which we're going to do. Yeah. Um, we, we, you and I have been messaging back and forth before today's show, um, about how do we address this? What do we talk about? And right. I think this is something we're going to try and do several episodes on Yeah, because we'll never, ever get to the heart of this issue in one episode today. We're going to have a For guest sure. on yeah, um, Mia Ramsey, who I went to high school with. And I uh, went to Bishop Hogan High School, and I was, if you want to put it in these terms, I was by number the minority there. Um, it was predominantly a, a black school. Uh, it was a, a Catholic school. Um, and so, I mean, there were pretty strict rules in place, but I, I never felt, you know, that I felt, never felt like a minority, but it was my first time being around a, a, a group of people that color wise were mm -hmm. just different than me. And I had great friends. I still have great friends that came out of that experience, Right. Yeah. but it goes, it, it's really speaks to the, to where we're at today. How does division occur? What is the heart of division? Mm -hmm. How do people feel deep down inside? Where's the pain? Totally. Yeah. And I think what we're going to get, what you're going to hear with this interview is starting to talk about how to hear each other's, you know, how to hear each other on that. Yeah. Like, you know, we all feel have this need to be heard. And I think, especially when it comes to the black community, what I'm starting to understand is they don't feel heard. Yeah. <laughs> Largely, right. you know, right. And, and so, you know, for me personally, I want to start to do better at listening and that's what I think we're, we're trying to do with this series is listen more than talk. Exactly. <laughs> Ask questions and listen for what is said. Um, but it also opens up a dialogue, you know, which is going to be really helpful in the long run. I worked through a book recently called The Lost Art of Listening. And that was really important for me as I listened or as I listened to that and read that book, because um, I realized I was a poor listener on many levels. Mm -hmm. Whenever I would preload my mind with answers before they had ever, you know, somebody has completed their thought, right. that's wrong on my part. Right. And I think that's what's playing out right now in yeah. so much of the world. We preload our mind with what we think is right without ever having the appreciation for what another person has gone through. Yeah. It, that I, We talked about this one time, I think off the air, but it was like, what happens in your mind when you ask a question where you really don't feel like you know the answer and you're just asking with the intent to hear and be educated or informed on right. what the other person has to say? It's like you go into it with this open sense of, you know, like fill me up, like I'm ready to learn versus when you go into it with a mindset or, an, or a presupposed answer already, you know, it just makes a huge difference in how that conversation can go. So right now, right before we go to Mia in this pre-recorded um, audio, what I want is for each of us to do a gut check. Mm. Where is your mind as you listen and take in this information because that can make all the difference in how we accept 
what's right. what Mia's going to share with us and what you share and what I share. Yeah, totally. Yep. Okay. Well, here we go. Here's our interview with Mia Ramsey. So thanks, Chad. Thanks, Matt, for having me um, to Renegade Atlas. I'm Mia Ramsey. Chad and I go way back 30 years ago. We are both graduates of Bishop Hogan uh, High School, the Bishop Hogan High School, the best mm-hmm. school in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> um, it no longer exists as Bishop Hogan, but anyway, <laughs> um, I am uh, a small business owner. I have uh, uh, an organization called Sisters of Substance, which is SOS uh, is the acronym, and it's a, a women's empowerment network. And so I've uh, come up on my ninth year of having this particular um, business. Up under that, I have Jaywear, which is my apparel company. And um, I just, I enjoy being able to provide a service, provide a product, um, provide um uh, information and networking for uh, women. It did, doesn't matter the color, um, just the needs of, of women. And it's not exclusive to women, but that's my focus. And so gotcha. building a solid foundation one step at a time, that's our that's our tagline. So um, been married, uh, coming up on 24 years, the best husband ever. Congratulations. Husband. Thank you. Thank you. You have the greatest two children and serve the best church. And I know everybody's got the best church, but you know, I got to rep my church. <laughs> you have to. You have to. <laughs> right. Uh, Bishop Eric Morrison and Regina, um, the only lady we call her, uh, Morrison. Um, so yeah, I'm just glad to be here, fellas. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for being Especially here. Especially right now. Yeah. So why don't you go right into that right now? What's going on right now? Uh, in this, in the city, in the, in the country. And um, what, what are you hearing? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Well, I, you know, and Chad, you've known me a long time. Um, I think the better question for me is what are you guys feeling? Because all you, at the end of the day, I think what America is, is watching and being a witness to is what we've always felt. It's just now it's out in the open. This is this is this is our reaction always with one another. This is how we talk always with one another, with a lot of passion, with a lot of screaming. You know, not not um, being defensive or offensive to one another, but it's just sometimes you need a place that you can just scream and say this this sucks. This is unfair. This is this is not cool. And so um, I think what you guys are witnessing is something that we've always said, what we've always done. We just haven't been as vigilant and as outraged as we have been in recent months due to the lack of, first of all, support, the lack of relief and the lack of protection for us. And so, you know, I got up this morning with the thought, what would happen if we felt protected? We probably wouldn't be in this situation. So, so I saw a clip on Facebook. Um, matter of fact, it was the uh, actress Kiki Palmer. She was on this morning on Good Morning, Good Morning America, and um, she was asking one of the National Guard um, um, representatives there to, you know, to march with them, and he was like, "I can't." And so they were like, well, can you take a knee with us? And they were like, he was like, yeah, I can definitely do that. She said, that's not enough for me. Why explain to me why you can't march with us? And he said, because we have to protect these businesses. 
and I understood his, I understood his position. I did. But I also understood what would happen if we were protected. What if we were protected? You know what I'm saying? Um, so that, that, I think that's what, what we're witnessing is the lack of protection. So it makes a difference in how we, how we express ourselves. That seems to be something that um, has been, I've actually heard this from several different completely different people is how they feel safe, how they feel protected, how they feel like their life is um, uh, covered, if you will. Right. right. And it doesn't matter. Um, I've heard that from people who have small businesses in areas that have been, you know, there've been some looting going on. I've heard that from individuals who live in areas where there's been crazy stuff happening. And, right. and, and I'm hearing it from a community you know? Yeah. And yeah. Th that you just hit on some protection. Let, let's ask Matt yeah. a question. <laughs> Matt, do you feel protected in life? Me personally? Yeah. I like, sure. Yeah. I don't think I, well, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think I feel unprotected. Like, do you feel vulnerable? Well, wait, wait yeah. though. Wait, right. Matt says, I don't feel unprotected. He doesn't have to feel protected. Right. Right. If he, he doesn't feel unprotected, that in itself is the crux. I right. feel protected. My friends feel unprotected. It's not that that necessarily we need protection, but I don't feel I, I feel unprotected. Yeah. So the need. So so Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If the need arises, you felt like I could call somebody and get protection. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. On the flip side of that, if it, there's a group of us that feel like. You're watching across the country that feels like if I call, I don't know that I'm gonna get that protection. Yeah. Right. So so yeah. so my point with the with the whole march thing was what would happen if the National Guard were marching with the protesters to protect them? It would first of all bring solidarity. Two, it would protect the businesses. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Protect the businesses because you're walking alongside to be a buffer for everybody, not just the businesses. So when he, when he made the comment, I understood what he was saying, but when he made the comment, it felt like that's always been the protection. It's always been the protection for everyone else, but not the people that are hurt. At right. least people that look like me that are hurt. That's what I'm saying. It almost seems like, and in talking with a few other people about this, like if you, you were to call for help, the help might show up and perceive you as the problem. That, no, like, I, I kinda, well, how am I going to exactly call for help if I think I'm going to be, you know, identified as the perpetrator, instigator? You, yeah, that, that's yeah, Matt. That's 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 it. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, I I, I made a comment yesterday. I have a um, a Facebook group of some some phenomenal women, um, uh, a private a private group, so that way we can just have a conversation. Sure. And I with them yesterday, it's intriguing to me how um how we can how we can share with one another ourselves but it's hard to share with somebody else because they don't understand and we spend a lot of time trying to get people to understand but until you live that life you don't you you wouldn't understand and i know that everybody doesn't understand white privilege everybody doesn't get white privilege we're not asking you to get it we're just not we're asking that you don't support something that doesn't look like it benefits everyone. If it's not equal across the board, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be.
oh, this is okay because it doesn't affect me. Right. What are the things that you see that stand out or that are really glaring, glaring issues for you that you see in your life every day? Um, one is, um, I think for, for, for me, it's, I, I had this conversation um, a few weeks ago. A lot of us, even though, Chad, you and I went to um, Bishop Hogan, which was a private school, it wasn't one of the most expensive private schools, you know, across the city, but it was, you know, you had to pay to, to go. Right. And um, I remember uh, having a conversation and saying there were some things that my white classmates experienced because they were taught that from the beginning. And so for us, it was an, an, an adaptation to what was going on. So for example, for example, um, unless our children are introduced to a Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, something like that, we don't go camping. That's just not something that we do. So the, the outdoor elements, and I'm not saying that everybody is like that. I'm just saying generally. You can ask a black person, have you gone camping? They'd be like, mm-hmm. outside with a tent. <laughs> no, we do you know. But but and, and I'm not saying I, and please understand, I don't want everything to be like it's one or the other. I'm just saying it, a generalization, right? right. It doesn't apply to everybody. But um in that, in that you learn how to do certain things. So the fun and the joy that you get to experience. The first time I had a sleeping bag, it was because I had friends over and we just had sleeping bags inside the house. It wasn't because we were outside. You know what I'm saying? So we adapted to something that we saw everybody else do and say, oh, this would be kind of tight if we did this. You know what I'm saying? And so what I'm seeing is what you consider everyday life was a privilege for a lot of us. So when we got a chance to do that, it was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. I never thought about doing that. I never thought about skiing. I never thought about jet skiing. I never thought about, you know, renting a, a, a boat or whatever. And so some of the disparities come because we weren't taught those things. It, it, it wasn't as though they weren't made available. But if I got to put my money or if I got to put my time and energy into something, I don't know that this leisure life that that seems to be you know, just kind of everyday life for you is something that I want to invest in more than, okay, what are we eating tonight? How much is the light bill? And, and if I'm really honest and brutally honest, I'll give you an example. In our neighborhoods, we just recently, just recently got grocery stores, fresh fruit, vegetable, nice grocery stores. And watch this. It's not a price chopper. It's not a high V. But what it is, is a Sunfresh. And mm-hmm. we're grateful for Sunfresh. But Sunfresh has some of the highest prices across the country. So we have to drive to a price chopper to get, you know, vegetables at a, at a cheaper rate. Although the, they, they, some of them, you know, offer, you know, um, cheaper things. But during the pandemic, they went up. I ain't talking about because there was a shortage. I'm talking about because they could went up on prices. So, so the foil, just 
a Reynolds wrap, a foil. One roll of Reynolds, Reynolds wrap, 100 feet, was $12.75. Oh my <laughs> in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. But if I drove miles down the street to Brookside, I would have paid $3.75. That is illegal. But watch this. We don't own the grocery store. We don't own the grocery store. So what happens? What happens? You build up a callus in your heart for what somebody else is doing to you because they feel like, let me exploit the, the lack of transportation, the lack of resource in your, in your area so that I can make money. And that's what it feels like, period. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves R&B music, but when it comes time to stand up for s- certain things, then it's like, mm, let me just be quiet because I don't understand. Get to understand. Ask questions. I love the fact that you're asking questions. Ask questions. And if I'm frustrated, just be okay with me frustrating, being frustrated. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean that I'm not trying to show the love of Christ. I'm just mad right now. I'm just mm-hmm. mad right now. I know I did a lot of talking right there. Sorry. No, that's good. You know, it's the, you know, it's funny. The thing that stuck out to me with all you just said right there is the phrase, it feels like. It's like you're describing your experience. And I think that like my mindset in the past and a lot of people I know, it's just like to react thinking that I know the, that the reality is different or something. And so I'm thinking, well, what if it's not really like that? And lately what I'm realizing or thinking about is that that doesn't matter. What matters to me is, is understanding your experience. Right. right. And then like building a bridge between mutual understanding of how we're experiencing life and then taking steps to like figure out what's real, what's true and like moving forward together. But I just think that we've bypassed that so easily. Yeah, they actually just that. hearing each other. And check this out. It's funny to me because if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, which I am, and if you guys are believers in Jesus Christ, we can come to a common understanding about who he is. We might not interpret the Bible the same way. We may not have um, the same, you know, virt- virtually the same walk, but we have the same experiences. Uh, he healed me, um, mm-hmm. delivered me. Like we have those things. And so we respect each other, knowing that we serve the same God. And however you interpret it, we're still trying to get to the same. I want to be with him. I want everlasting life with him, right? So we have that understanding. What's intriguing to me is we can come together about a Jesus Christ, about our, our father. We can come together about that. But we can't come together with our different walls and understand that there has been experiences that have not been favorable. But let me still support you in what you have experienced, which is, I think, what you were saying. So in Jesus Christ, if you're going through something and you haven't been healed, but I have, for me, it's like, listen, I'm going to be with you. Hang on. Let me encourage you. It's going to happen. He's going to come through. He always does. I know it looks bleak Mm -hmm. right now. That's important. Mm -hmm. But when you do that for everything else, it's like, how Mm -hmm. can you say you know him? How can you say you love him when you can't when you can't undergird and support this experience that I'm having, it looks like no one's showing up. Yeah. So showing up, um, this is, I think where we get into kind of a rubber beats the road discussion um, where we, we don't talk about 
feelings or experiences, but action. Um, when, when you talk to anybody, doesn't matter who they are, and you say, I need help this way. And if you were to come to me and you said, Chad, I need you to do this, what would this be or these things be? That's a good question. Um, How do you put, put the, the feet to the life? Yeah, I think there are a lot of things. Um, one thing that a friend um, has said yesterday was, if I said, Chad, I need you to do something, I need you to make sure that you have diversified and your friends have diversified your board of directors, your, your, your jobs, the things that you own, that there's a representation of color in your organizations. Um, I would say to you, hey, Chad, we have a cause of injustice. Do you mind coming and standing with us on our behalf when we go to court? Or, you know, um, hey, we, we are petitioning for better schools in our neighborhood. Would you sign the petition? I think there are, you know, it's numerous things that we need, but your voice is already being heard. So if we can amplify our voices with your voice, it'll help make some changes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if yeah, <laughs> I've kind of always thought that like walking into a room together, you know, like if you and Chad walk into a room together and say, we're bringing a message, like a perspective that's aligned, it may not be exactly the same, but it's aligned. That's powerful. It is, but that's the kingdom. The kingdom of God looks like that. The kingdom of God is not just, you know, and I ain't trying to be preachy. I'm just, mm -hmm. this, is, this is for who I am. And if we, if we cannot find a common language in love, we're missing it, period. What we're witnessing is a lack of love. I don't sure. even want to call it hate. I just think that people don't have enough love. If love covers a multitude of sins, how is it yeah. that, that I'm still seeing hate? Means somewhere along the line, we're not, you're not getting enough love. I'm not giving enough love. You know what I mean? That's on no. both sides. Yeah. Well, totally. And tell me what you think about this, but I feel like the very core root of this issue is fear, which is the opposite of love, right? Yeah. The question is whose fear though? Sure. Whose fear? Is it, is it, is it our white counterparts fear? Is it the black person's fear? Cause see, I think that there was a time that fear was the issue for black people. I don't think fear is it now. I think it's frustration because, uh -huh. You're noticing so let me let me let me go back to something i think chad had said um earlier he said let's make sure that we make this distinction between the protests and the riots well i think um and i think i, I don't want to misquote um dr king um but what he said was riots are the voice of the unheard mm, so right, yeah. so so watch this literally before i got on this was confirmed because, you know, I can't repeat everything that I hear because it's like, yeah, okay, some of, some of this stuff is just people just saying stuff. Just like You're some right. of just right. people in the crowd just throwing models. It's not everybody. But what I did see, and I confirmed this, was a pallet of bricks was put in a place. Yep. That, did you see that? Yeah. 
Why? Yeah. Why? Now, now watch this. I, I'm not trying to be funny, but most black people ain't got access to a pallet pallet of bricks. Right. Oh no, I I agree. Oh, no construction sites. Uh, so no. why is it there? Why See, is it there to incite things? And so the riot, the rioting comes because when you look at certain time, when you look at certain certain videos, it's not us rioting. I know totally. But the retaliation is it's all of you. So now I got to protect myself because you you didn't see. I, I I promise you today I wrote down. I wrote this down. I said, it is very apparent that justice is blind. I, very apparent to me. We've always used it as, oh, justice, you know, it doesn't see color. It does. Justice is blind. And it's blind. It feels like it's only blind to a certain group of people. Because it's not justice when I'm attacked. It's not justice. You watched it on CNN for, for um, uh, the, the National Guard the the police to incite a riot to move people back for a photo op. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. Come on. One of the things that um, I, my son and I, my son's 15, he and I mm -hmm. have been talking a lot about is how there is a huge component of well-educated people extraordinary, normally have college degrees or are in college and they tend to be white who act as the instigators for a whole lot of the violence that's perpetrated. In that's fact, exactly. I just saw a video this morning of a guy who pulled up in his car and set out a Molotov cocktail in the street and one of the, the protesters, and I'm intentionally using that word, the protester, good guy, runs yeah. up and throws it back in his car because <laughs> he was going to drive off and to make it look like those guys did it. See? You know, and the car goes up in flames, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's justice, justice there. Right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but to me, there is a huge major, you, and, and I'll, I'll bring this up. No one else has. There is a brokenness in hearts that are from a huge number of affluent white people mm -hmm. that they have no sense of identity or connection with God. And because of that, they lash out at things that become their cause and they do it in the most evil and destructive ways possible. Wow. Wow. That's pretty informative though, Chad. Like, cause I think we don't, we don't, we don't even take the time to think about how or the origin of the direction. We just see it coming. Yeah. Sense. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So for you to enlighten you know, the listeners to enlighten me right now, you know, about the origin of some of this, you know, um, and we can go back and look at origins at the end of the day. Um, you know, this is the same story, just a different year, you know, yeah. <clears throat> sure. the you millennials. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, um, go back and look at the the riots in LA, you know, Rodney King, you go back and, and you can go decade, decade by decade and just see event after event after event. And you say, what hasn't changed, what has changed and what hasn't changed? Yeah. That's an important yeah. question. And you'll see a lot of commonality, both streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It honestly, and I don't know that there, I don't, it's, yeah, I don't know. I guess, um, when I look at the totality of COVID-19, 
and we had to be socially distanced from one another. You know, um, my conversation is we've always been socially distanced. You know what I'm saying? Maybe our schools weren't segregated, but there was a dividing line at some point in our lives from one another. We've always had pre-existing conditions. You know, our money didn't match up to everybody else's money. Be it you black, be it that you're, you're a woman, be it, you know, whatever. Our monies didn't match up. Our resources didn't match up. Our neighborhoods didn't match up. So we've always had pre-existing conditions. So then when something hits that's a pandemic, it is going to hit the hardest hit areas because they were already suffering. That's right. how I feel. And I think that these riots, I think that the protests, I think, or not the riots, but I think that the protests are um, just the boiling point and we're seeing it played out um, because of the pre-existing conditions. When I was hollering about education, nobody helped me. When I was saying, I don't have enough money, I'm not making enough money, nobody helped me. We didn't have an endowment. We didn't have an inheritance. We didn't have a, a safety net of financial support. We didn't have clean water. We didn't have uh, sustainable uh, um, uh, utilities. You know, I'm just saying there were always pre-existing conditions. And so because those uh, 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 conditions weren't addressed, I think that now it's when you see a George Floyd, when you see um a brianna taylor when you see a ahmad you know um uh uh Berry, it's all of these issues are repetitive because there has not been there not, has not been a healing to what already pre-existed mm. you know what I'm saying? we can go back to emmett till emmett this george floyd is not the first one you know what i'm saying so go back to an emmett till and say did he ever get justice? You know what I'm saying? Why did we have to keep saying his name? So that, that kind of leads me to a question I was thinking of, or I'd love to hear you talk about. Um, if you look back 50, 60 years since Dr. King and the civil rights movement, in that time, I'd be curious to hear what do you see that has changed for the better? What has stayed the same? approximately and what has potentially gotten worse since then i don't i don't really know i mean that's my honest answer when i think about what has changed um of course our schools are integrated you know we are um more educated we do have um we do have more African-Americans in places um, that we didn't have them before, but there's still a suppression. Um, there's still a suppression that's happening. And so I feel like it's on a wider scale now because of our technology, um, because of I don't know, I guess because of the breadth of how we're able to do things now, I just think that it's it's more wide and shallow than it was narrow and deep. You know, during the civil mm -hmm. rights, um, during the civil rights movement, it was impactful. First of all, you know, you didn't have billions of people in the earth. You know, I mean, the, the baby boom mm. took, took, you know, and then you had the generation X, millennials, you, you know, you've had this, 
this boom of new people <laughs> to come and inv- invade the world. Right. And so now you have a lot of people, but there is not a voice. Dr. King was a voice. And then there were voices, you know, even though there was a Malcolm X and a Dr. King that existed at the same time, they ultimately wanted the same thing. It was just their means and how to get it. Sure. And I'll, can, can I come? I'm going to interrupt yeah, you for on, just on. a second because on, I think that um, one of the important distinguishing facts, and you did bring it up, but I just want to make it so blatantly cool or obvious to people so that they're cool with it, is that during that time, it was so crystal clear. Right. White water fountain, black water fountain. Right. right? Um, sit in the back of the bus, sit in the front of the bus. You know, it was so obvious. That's when you said it was, it was narrow and deep. Right. It was so clear. And I feel yes, like sir. it's moved from clarity to this ambiguity, but you feel it way more in your soul and in your DNA in, in some regards. You know, it's part of your, your, uh, the heritage and the identity and the, how, how you feel like your life, the vision in which you see the world through now that I can't see. Yeah. Not right. because it's just because it isn't, you know, there's it's not overt yeah. as much. It's more covert. That's kind of, that was kind of my thought too. Is like, it's yeah. easy to point at things that have quote unquote gotten better. And, and as a white community or whatever, I feel like, well, the pro- like, why can't you just appreciate that? You know, the problem is so much, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so this like, yeah. <laughs> and, but the fact that it's subtle and hidden and, you know, and but it's only subtle and hidden to you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. To that's us. what, yeah, like, yeah, that's and, what we're saying. And it causes us to like turn a blind eye or whatever, like turn a deaf ear to the prop the problem. And I think that right. what I'm hoping is happening is that we're actually turning back towards it, all of us together, but like the white community specifically, to say yeah. there is still really a problem that we can't ignore anymore. Yeah. You know, unless we just yeah. want to be pretentious, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we got to yeah. engage, we got to engage with it with, you know, when well, with you. and I'll say this um, to you guys too. I think that our current administration makes it 1965. Mm. I think that he's very blatant in what he says and how he says it. I think that sometimes when he's saying things, it is blacks only, whites only. He makes it very clear. Again, this is through our ears, mm-hmm. not everybody else's ears, but through our ears is very um, pointed. It's very direct, you know. So um, the interpretation we're hearing the same thing, but the interpretation is a lot different. Right. And I'll tell you why the interpretation is different because there's a follow up with what's said. See, had, had it just been a lot of rhetoric, it might have been one thing. But, but when you say, I'm going to deploy, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? What shooting starts? Are you saying you're about to start shooting when the looting starts? Mm-hmm. I'm saying mm-hmm. there was a picture that someone posted of the, the, um, the, the, the Oklahoma City um, 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 the bombing down there? Uh-huh. Um, but it was like all of the uh, all of the murderers, all of the serial killers, oh, all okay. of the, and 
you know, captured. And it was a picture of like six or eight of them with no injuries. And then underneath it, it was a picture of six or eight black men that hadn't killed anybody, mm-hmm. but they hadn't beat up mm-hmm. just to bring them in. You know what I'm saying? And so the dispar- disparity just in that photo, just in that photo, just says, and it speaks a lot to when you say, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, who are you talking to? Because mm-hmm. when you guys loot, because we know that it's not a black issue, looting is not a black issue, it's an issue. But if a white man loots, if a white man steals, then they're, you know, they're um, detained and they go in. With us, you just said, then the shooting starts. Why? Right. Why different for us. Why is it different for us? It's the same crime. Why is it different? George Floyd was literally already zip tied and on his face, on his stomach. The need for you to have your knee on his neck was what? What was he going to do? Flip and flop and kick you? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand. What could he have done in the, in the position that he was in that was threatening to you? And then for others to sit around and watch and for others to say, please, just say he can't breathe. And for that to be ignored, for Breonna Taylor to sleep in her house and, oh, it was the wrong warrant, sorry. Well, 21, you know, holes later and eight bullets to her, it's too late to say I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And so it seems like it is, again, justice is for just us. Blind justice is for just us. And I mean blind justice. Mm. Um, I want to share something with you guys. Um, and I don't know if you're, you're um, and again, let me, let me reiterate by saying thank you for having a platform to have a conversation. Because I think, you know, Chad, when you ask what, 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 if you could say, this is Chad, this is what I need you to do, what would that be? Yeah, we're compiling a list because after the protest, I said this last night, after the protest, we need a plan. We can protest all day long, but Dr. King, all of them, they, there was a plan in place. They were, they were actively working the plan while they were protesting. And so there's some things happening. There's some organizations. There's some pastors. I know my pastor is, um, is uh, part of a, a clergy alliance and even beyond that, he is speaking up and making some changes that, you know, will impact all of us favorably. But watch this. A friend of mine um, that I love, a female um, a, a white woman that I love her and have always loved her for, I think it's been eight years, eight or nine years she's been my friend. But she made a post last night in her fatigue, in her tiredness, because she couldn't get directly home to her Plaza, uh, Plaza Westport home. Mm-hmm. And so she makes a comment in her fatigue, in her defense, in her fatigue, that was very, very insensitive. And it went on to say, you know, long post, sorry, venting, when will this end? I'm tired of hearing helicopters, tired of hearing sirens, can't get to my, my house, can't, um, can't sleep because of the yelling, blah, 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 blah. You know, I know um, this has got to come to an end soon. I'm just over it. I'm tired. Mm. Well, 
I didn't really have to say too much. I was just laughing because it was it was funny to me because I said, you know, then she said, why does it have to be in my area? Why the plaza? And I said, hey, first of all, there's history with African-Americans in the plaza. Come on now, go back and look at J.C. Nichols. Go back and look at the dividing line of truce. Just, you know, don't, don't, don't be ignorant. You know, you know, you know, the girl's playing, you know. <laughs> she says, well, I, I do know. I'm just tired and blah, blah, blah. And I said, and I got it. I said, but you're inconvenienced for, you know, six or seven nights, eight nights, whatever. And I said, but think about the people that live with sirens all the time, that live with helicopters all the time, that you live with um, yelling all night. And, and, and then can I just say, it's inconvenient when it's a 5K race, a 10K race, you know, for a cause on Brush Creek, and that's where we live. But because we understand that there is a cause, we don't complain. We just go around and find a better way home. You don't hear us ranting about, oh my God, they got the street blocked off <laughs> on Hill and Brush Creek and I can't get home. Listen, we don't care because listen, this is Susan B. Coleman run for cancer, race for cancer. Come on, man. So you're inconvenienced, yeah. but you were also inconsiderate last night. And instead of just and she inboxed me and stuff, and we talked about it, but I said, girl, go to bed. Don't say nothing else. I love you, and I'm telling you. <laughs> and that. Zip it. <laughs> zip it, girl. Zip it. Zip it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. That That is kind of the point, I think. A lot of it is just perspective. My perspective and what, you know, what, it, like how it needs to change. And the way, you know, like acknowledging the ways that it probably won't ever change or can't change just because who I am and how, you know, where I was born and all that kind of stuff the color of my skin. It's like some that isn't that forgiveness and understanding is part of it just to like acknowledge each other and be like, okay, this, you know, I understand you a little better and we're going to try to move forward with it. And I guess that's my question to you guys. What is it that you need from us? What is it that you need to understand to, to help you grasp things better if you don't understand mm -hmm. or you know, what is it that that you guys need um, that will help help you make a difference in our fight for equality? I can I can tell you something for sure. Like I was talking about fear earlier, and I do think fear is on the part of me or us or whatever. Like those in power fear to lose it, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's another fear that That's I good. have, and that occurred to me as we were talking this whole time is just that like in my effort to express my concern or to process through and have a conversation, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. So I think what I'd love for you to know is my intent. Like my intent is to, you know, to like come alongside and to show love and concern and to get a better understanding. And I also have to be able to express myself like in a processing kind of way you know, and not be mm -hmm. afraid of saying the wrong thing and making it worse. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that, Matt. I think that, and, and, and I've, I've heard both, both sides of the fence. I've heard my white friends, I've heard my, my African-American friends, my black friends. I think that I want to go back to something you said though, about fear. You said the fear of losing power. Mm -hmm. What's that mean to you? 
the fear of losing power when you said that what did that mean well i think i can think of it in two different ways one just like the you know systemic like the white ruling class you know you're gonna see like what's the main fear they have it's not fear of walking around at night it's the fear of losing the power that they we have right on a big macro level um I think in a personal to personalize it for me, it would ha- it would be something like my lifestyle and comfortability and stuff like that. You know, just the mm-hmm. the unspoken things we I take for granted. You know, of how easy my life is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, yeah. I don't want to lose that. If I'm honest, I I like it. I want to keep it. You know. Yeah, and I appreciate that honesty because I think that's the that right there. However, now now hear what I'm saying. <laughs> However offensive that might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying that as a confession, yeah. like my human. Yeah, you know and that's what, what I'm like, saying. That's yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that because I think <laughs> the problem is when we don't say it. Mm-hmm. Right. You act like that. That's not an issue for you. Right. That's the problem. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate and I commend you for saying, "Listen, I don't really want to get uncomfortable. I don't. That's a a fear of mine." You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna cost me to do this with you. What is what is the price of me doing this with you? I'd rather you say that than to not say nothing at all. Right. I'd rather you say that than to pretend that you're with us or you you're down for a cause, but then when I turn around, you're not there. Yeah. So let's process and let's talk about what this looks like. And what's really funny to me. There's the fear of losing power, the fear, you know, I was thinking about the fear uh, that people have of lording over another, another. Mm-hmm. It's intriguing because. <clears throat> that's exactly what we saw played out with that officer kneeling on the throat. Yeah. Right. That's, that was a power move. I it don't know. I, I have no idea if he was a racist. I've heard possibly he was or he wasn't if he was just an absolute, you know, yeah. hateful person. And that's how he dominates another person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It was, it, he lorded over, watch this. Not, over, not only did he lord over George Floyd, but uh, he lorded over the situation. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh said, 100%. I got this. Right. Yeah. This is, this is what I do. And there's nothing you can do about it, which incited, it was just one more thing. And at that time, that was the last straw for a lot of people. And so when right. one their voices, you know, uh, one group, everybody else started to. And so I would say this. God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you believe what the, the Bible says, he gives us a, a, a sound mind. That's, he gives us a sound mind. The sound mind, though, comes from him. It's not our thinking, it's his thinking. And so if we don't align our hearts and our minds to think like he thought, to think like he thinks, to allow him to give us thoughts, then what's going to happen is we're going to be in constant fear. You're going to fear losing power. You're going to fear losing uh, comfort. We're going to fear not being in power, not having power, not being comfortable. You know, we're going to always live in some sort of fear. But if I believe the Bible and take it at his word, then I believe that that is a spirit that is not it a is. Oh, right. that is a spirit of division yeah. and hate and of, 
and of divisiveness. And it doesn't come from God. So what we have allowed that to do is integrate and grow and germinate into our societies and our uh, communities. And now here we are living in fear of one another, pretending that we're not. Yep. Or fear of a situation and pretending that we're not. So I'm going to, I'm going to come at it from a different perspective. Yes, sir. Um, can, can, before you do that, can I just tack go, one thing go, on? Go for it. What I, I wanted to say that like the reason that I say what I just said is in order to move past it, not to hide behind it, right? Come like on, confess your sin it. one to another. So you may be healed slash yes. saved slash freed from it. <laughs> and I think that Jesus, what he does is he takes us into our fear to move us through it so that we can come out the other side and see that we didn't even need to be afraid of it in the beginning. And yeah. there's this great joy on the other side of it. So that That's that right. is my hope. Like, I want to make sure you know that as well, you know? Yeah, like I do. And I felt that when you said it, Matt, I didn't take, you know, there, it, it's offensive just because you don't want anybody to feel like that. But I didn't take offense to it, if that makes, if that makes sense. And I understood what you were saying. And I think, again, I want the heart of Jesus. I want, I want the spirit of God to dwell in me so that I'm able to hear and not react. I don't want to be impulsive. I want to mm -hmm. process. I want to be able to hear. When I heard my friend yesterday, I was like, listen, girl, I love you, but you out of pocket right here. Let me tell you why. And it's, it, listen, kiss your mama for me. Tell her I said hello. Mm -hmm. Listen, that doesn't make me love you any less, but let me say this to you. Let me bring some information to you. Same thing with you. When you opened up and said, listen, here's my vulnerability. Here's my, here's my situation. I feel this way. So help me not feel this way. That's when I say, how can we help? Right. And that right there, dog, is everything for me. So <laughs> I say to you, Matt, if you come to this march with us, listen, I we got you, dog. We gonna we listen, you ain't gonna feel no less uncomfortable or less comfortable <laughs> than you with us. It's gonna be scary just because you're with a whole lot of people, but Trust and believe you are fighting for a cause. And if we don't fight for the cause of Christ, at the end of the day, we just wearing Jesus around our chain, you know, around mm -hmm. our, we, we ain't really working our faith. We ain't really working, you know, uh, we're not really working the walk of faith. So anyway, right. right. Well, my concern is the, and this goes to the power idea, is the institutionalization of people who have gotten into a, positions of authority, and I could care less of what your label is as far as political party, who by almost by definition need a group of people to create as their whipping boy, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they and the the black community has been that for century for you know for a, for centuries now. Yeah. And that is that hangs like this ball and chain. Um, around the neck of the mindset of both the politicians, the bureaucrats, and the the race, and that I see that play out in in all in, across the world. I've seen it in Africa, where you have the haves and the have-nots, and it's the exact same thing playing out. Where one tribe has gotten, you know. I, I don't know if you're aware, I've spent a lot of time in Africa and I see one tribe mm -hmm. who gets authority or domination over another group and they do the exact same way the names changed, but it's the same result. And that is the condition of the 
that that system it's like it's been in existence forever in our world and we see it so clear it's to me at least it's so clear to see it play out in our in our country you know it's i think harder to see played out in some place where you've got a bunch of white people running around or a bunch of black people running around or a bunch of asian people running around because they all look the same but the same institutionalization of oppression Mm -hmm. needing somebody to be in power over another group it's common, it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere, and it kills the heart. And when you've lived under it for as long as people have, the emergence from that takes a transformative step on both parties to go against that power. Mm-hmm. That power, which may not have a singular figurehead. Right, right. I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly with that, Chad. And I think that's a great... Um, I think there's a great point. I was thinking when you were saying that, though, but what if the country that said it was built on the foundations of, first of all, if this country would admit its flaws, this country would admit its flaws, if this country would admit what it was built on, I shouldn't have to tell you the history. You know the history. You created the history. So for a map that says, listen, this is, this is what happened. This is how I felt this. This is why I feel this way. This is, this is why I can't really move forward right now because this is how I feel. If we don't, what would happen if our country said, listen, we made some mistakes. We jacked up some stuff. Do you understand the harmony that could happen just on a, I'm sorry, just on a, yes, let me acknowledge what we didn't do. How can we come to the table and make changes now? But because of our innate need to lord over somebody, to be the one, to be the chief, to be the leader, to be the one that everybody is subjected to or subject to, I just think is so ignorant. So for a a country that is so diversified, we are more ignorant to me than any other country. Because with all of our diversity, we can't come to a common understanding. I think that's stupid. Hmm. You were in Africa. I remember us talking about it when you were, um, when we were doing our, uh, our class reunion. And, you know, that's, it's a, that's a taught behavior, though. That's taught. Nobody, no, where is that? Where was it taught? Where was it taught? When was it taught? Why, why is this even, why is this even, like in your households, if you have children that are the same age, you'd be like, you just, just because you are the same age, nobody is greater than anybody else. Now you might have an older child, and, hey, you're the oldest, you need to look over. I can understand that as an elder, as somebody more responsible because of your experience and your, your maturity, but not because I don't know as much as you. I gave the analogy last night about Gilligan's Island. Now, I, you know, we all, I know y'all old enough because mm-hmm. I'm close in age. So, Matt, you got to be right up in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so, we grew up watching Gilligan's Island. You're younger than Chad, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm older than Mia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. I was one of the youngest in my group. That was the um, <laughs> uh, But I was, I was given the analogy last night of uh, Gilligan's Island because uh, God had given it to me about how all of these people were on this island and you had um, Gilligan who wasn't the smartest person on the island, but he would work the hardest. You had Skipper that was stronger than everybody. 
You had the professor that was smarter than everybody on the island. You had Ginger that had the most influence because she was a movie star. Then you had the house who had the most money. And then you had uh, Marianne who was just kind of a homegirl. So watch this. They were on the island for 15 years, 15 years. Um, and they finally, you know, because if you remember the episodes, each one of them tried to get off the island without the other people at some point. But there would be a, t a few times that they would try to do it together. But most of the time they were trying to do it on their own. If they found somebody and it was a trip how they didn't have, um, they were on, in an uncharted island on an uncharted island, but there was always some, somebody that appeared on the island. There was mm -hmm. producers and, you know, it was families that was on it. It was like, where did y'all come from? But nobody mm -hmm. could them get off the island. Nobody. Every person that was on the island had access on and off the island except for them. Watch this. The last season when they, when they left, it was because they had finally built a raft because all of them came together with everybody Everybody's strength. Gilly again didn't try to be the professor. The house didn't try to be um, Ginger. Everybody in their own strength put together a raft. Raft goes out to the sea. The professor says there's a tsunami coming. Tsunami comes and it gets them further and further out. So now they're drifting. Somehow Gilligan starts a fire on the raft. So you already know now they're mad again at Gilligan. But had it not been for the fire, the people that were flying overhead would not have seen the smoke. And so if we don't, first of all, understand what our strengths and weaknesses are, it doesn't matter my color. I could be more educated than you as a black woman, but I might not have your strength or your influence. I think if we don't understand where we are and be okay with where we are and build a raft so that we can all get off the island together, and even though it seems like the city is burning, I promise you, our smoke is being seen by somebody. Mm. There's got to be a rescue coming. I know God is coming to our rescue, but we have to work together. He has created or allowed a situation to unfold so that we can see each other for who we really are. We need a Joshua moment where what we do is we march around the corrupt city together. So the walls come down, man, but well, we, we let the, we let the, the Lord, time. we have to let the Lord bring the walls down. We do. We have but, to have our hearts open for it. We have to do the action, but ultimately it's gotta be the Lord. It does Chad. But let me say this, let me say this with that. They were given instruction though. And without the instruction, the walls right. coming down, right. we don't hear the instruction and we don't walk around together and we don't shout together shout he didn't say joshua you shout no they all did they all had to shout and when they shouted the walls came down if we're not all shouting the walls will not come down man i, yeah, I love that i mean i think the perspective that we're all in this together we have to all get that perspective first i think that that's not been the thinking like it's not all of our problem, you know? And I think yeah. we got to get to that point where we're like, man, we are in, we're all in the same raft. If it burns, we're all going down. We're all going you know? down, but we're not going to go. We, he is not about to let us drown. He is not about to let us burn up. I promise you. Right. 
ready to smoke before the city burns down. But if we're not all on, the, first of all, the only reason they got out to see Matt was because they worked together. Yeah. Still fires on the island and it wasn't seen. Right. So if we're going to get out, we got to get out together. Yeah. In our identity. That's the other thing she was talking about. Right. I know. Is coming I was going to mention yeah, that. Just that's something we talk about a lot on this show. Well, we're big on identity. Knowing too. our identity and walking in it. Yeah. You know, and then doing it together with people of other identities. Like we need everybody else because we, like you were saying, we only have our certain strengths and we need the strengths that you have. And, you know, as a, as individuals and as communities too, it's just right. we need to yeah. do it together. Yeah. If you're not a singer, but you need some music, then you should call somebody and say, Hey Mia, mm -hmm. I need some music, what you got? Mm -hmm. If I need, if my back is broke, I'm like, Hey Chad, <laughs> Come on, doctor, doctor. You, you know what, Mia? I'll break my back. <laughs> you would never want me to sing at oh, your God. wedding. <laughs> oh my God, I would. I would. I would. I would. The only reason you'd want me singing is for your funeral, just to bring you back. And you'd be so <laughs> oh perturbed by it. <laughs> oh my God, Chad! Don't do it to me. Don't bring me back to what you're thinking about. I'm okay. Um. Yeah, I just think that if we if we all if we all figure out how we best fit as a puzzle, the picture will come together. But we mm -hmm. have to do it together. I my daughters and I have been putting together. Uh, my my mother in love has been sending us puzzles, and we've been picking them up. And there's nothing more frustrating than putting a puzzle together and finding that there's a piece missing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's frustrating because it's like the picture's not complete. Yeah. We out yeah. of doing this together, the picture is not complete. Yep. Yeah. Well, Amen. thank you, Mia, yeah. um, so much for joining us, making thank time you out of your day mm -hmm. and uh, taking time away from your work and your family. Um, we do appreciate it so much. And um, if if time allows, maybe we can touch base in the in a couple of months and do a, a catch up and a recap and and a, a gut check of where I we're all at. To. For real. I would you love know? to. I would love to. And um, and two, you know, um, I just want to thank you all because you don't have to open your platform. You don't have to be transparent, Matt. You don't have to you don't have to share what you shared. You don't have to share your platform or your time. And so I'm grateful, Chad, you know, you and I have always been cool. And I, I'm grateful that you even thought about thought about having a conversation. Um, just, I'll say this before we get off. I saw that you had posted something, you tagged me and I saw somebody, you know, was, was kind of combative in the, in the, um, in the thread. And I was like, I could jump on here, but right now what I do know is I'm not into wasting energy with people that are not wanting to hear it. And right now we just need people to listen if you're asking what can we do from here, I want people to listen, but I also want to be talked to and not talked at. And I think the conversation goes both ways. I think we can both get something from the conversation. I definitely got something from it today. And so I just wanted to say thank you all for allowing me to have an opportunity to say what I needed to say. I didn't feel inhibited. I didn't feel funny about things. I challenged what I thought I heard. But at the end of the day, we walk out of here in the love of Christ, understanding that we're all trying to get to, you know, the rescue. 
and the rescue is for us to be at peace and and ultimately to be you know told well done my good and faithful servant so mm-hmm. yep yeah. Matt, where can you find us yeah uh where can <laughs> renegade atlas renegade atlas on facebook uh the renegade atlas.com um email us guide at the renegade atlas we'll respond to your emails yeah we just would love to engage with anybody with reactions thoughts questions comments for us or for mia uh mia where can people reach you Nowhere. Don't call me. You're off the grid. That's fine. I'm off the grid now. I'm back at Gilligan's Island. (laughs) Um, No, I met um, Deliverer. That's a long story, but Deliverer Mia Ramsey on Facebook. Um, Or they can just type in Mia Ramsey. Um, They should be able to find me there. I have a website, MiaRamsey.com. Um, if people would like to get in touch with me and, um, you know, maybe soon, um, sooner than later, I'd like for you guys to, to talk to Eric Morrison, the, the candidate running for governor, just to hear his thoughts on where we are right now. He has, he has a, he has a heart for people. I promise you of all walks, he's out here doing some stuff, child. This, listen, he dragging us all with him. So. <laughs> oh, we'd love to. We would, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Let's, well, thank you so, so much, that. Mia. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys.